0: To the final episode of this superhero marathon on the Journey Into Podcast. That is day twenty-eight, and there's a reason that I picked February, the shortest month, the shortest month of the year, to do this marathon. <laughs> and we're capping it off with a ranking. Of the Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this is the fullest phase. It is also the only phase that wasn't leading up to an Avengers event. It's a very interesting phase. Some would say uh, it's a little bit disappointing compared to the other phases of the MCU. Uh, I think after Endgame, it is hard to... Before you start building up to something again, you kind of need to take a step back and uh, reacquire the identity of these heroes. And and you have the challenge of how do you follow up? How do you follow that up? What are you going to lead to next? And I think we have our answer. You know, we're leading up to Kang Dynasty and to Secret Wars, but... It's going to take some time, and this is, of course, the explosion of the MCU onto streaming platform. Disney Plus was launched at this time, and they wanted content in order to put on Disney Plus to attract subscribers to their streaming service. And so we've had a slew of uh, Star Wars content on Disney Plus. We've had a slew of MCU stuff. Uh, Plus, we've had movies coming out, at least for the MCU. Uh, We're not talking about Star Wars in this case, but uh, definitely we've continued to have movies. Now there was a pandemic in the middle of all this, which caused crazy schedule slides and uh, decisions to be made about what's going to go into theaters and what's going to go on streaming and lawsuits and (laughs) all kinds of stuff. I'm not going to talk about all the real world drama behind any of this i'm just this is only relevant to the content of what was shown to us in these various shows and movies and we have 18 different entrants to this phase four now a couple of them you may say don't really qualify as true uh entrance into this you know we had two Specials that were about an hour long which isn't a movie, it isn't a series I did include those in here and then there was an a animated I Am Groot sequence that was just a series of animated shorts and so I included it on the list but I definitely put I Am Groot at the bottom of my ranking here uh, I watched a few of them, they were cute they were fun but as far as Contending with other entrants On this list I, I did they did fall at the bottom Right above that was Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special Which came out this Past Christmas time To 2022 And I really enjoyed that And thought it was fun But it really was Like a special event That you would watch once maybe once a year around Christmas time but doesn't really didn't really have any heft to it uh, it was just something light to enjoy and celebrate the holiday season so I put that as number 17 in my ranking and uh, again there's so much stuff in here that I actually spent quite a bit of time ranking this and I even kind of ran it through a little, I didn't put it in a computer and do this, but just in my head, I had to systematically compare all these to each other and say, okay, is this better than that? Or, you know, where does it fall in? And so some of these things that I really enjoyed fell down towards the bottom because when you compare it with other things, it just doesn't stack up. And the one one of those that I wish was higher because I love the concept and I thought they executed on it pretty well was the What If animated series. I love the What If comic books and I was so excited that they were doing a Disney Plus series with What If and doing that with these MCU superheroes that we've known. We had some really good stories in there. You know, What If... Well, I don't want to go through all of them because that's going to take a lot of time here, and I got plenty of these to go through. But anyway, I I thought most, I liked most of the what-if scenarios. Not all of them were great. I think all of them were pretty imaginative, and it was neat to see that concept applied to these MCU characters rather than comic book characters. And then the Watcher was part of it. I don't know if I liked that the Watcher became a big part of it becoming a protagonist instead of just the uh, overseeing narrator of the whole thing. But all in all, I thought it was pretty good, but it ranks in at number 16. Right above that was the uh, She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Had some hits and misses in in general. I liked the series. I liked the concept that it was more of a light uh, comedy it wasn't necessarily about her crime fighting it was about her life and her being an attorney but how does she also deal with being she-hulk uh not every episode was a winner the finale was kind of disappointing as far as the actual plot i thought it was fun that they definitely broke the fourth wall in it where she went to visit marvel studios to have them explain this ending finale. You know, that was within the spirit of the uh, John Byrne series of the She-Hulk that came out in the late 80s. Uh, So I liked the concept. I really liked the actress. I can't think of her name right now. As She-Hulk, I think she does an amazing job acting as both Jennifer Walters and the She-Hulk. You know, the animation... Did have some more work to do. But that, that's a lot to ask as well. That didn't put me off as much as I thought it would. And the Daredevil stuff was really awesome. Really cool. And uh, I liked the general tone of the show. But it, it wasn't the greatest. And it uh, doesn't rank with, with some of these other things. So She-Hulk is number 15. Number 14 was a movie. The Eternals. And... As time goes by, that falls lower and lower on my list. I did like some of the performances, I did like some of the concepts. I like that they're opening up the cosmic universe to include the celestials and some of these greater concepts. But I don't think they executed on it very well. I don't think I cared enough about these characters, and there was it's a great ensemble cast but yeah I just don't think in general I cared much about them and uh, I really was excited for Dane Whitman isn't that his name Dane Whitman the the Black Knight to be part of this and I think he can be cool but they didn't really execute on that and I know he was a small part of it because there was so many other things going on with this focusing on the Eternals it's just a it's just a hard sell I think for these characters because it definitely was not like the guardians of the galaxy where you take these obscure characters and execute so well on them like they did with guardians of the galaxy It's, it's definitely less than that overall i was confused by what they were trying to set up at the end of it and we really haven't seen anything from that since it came out it came out in 2021 and with so many other movies and series there really was no ramifications from Eternals. We haven't seen anything else from this. And maybe eventually we will, but uh, not not yet, not yet. So, Eternals is number 14. Number 13 is Thor Love and Thunder, which came out in uh, 2022. It was a theatrically released movie. Um, and man, it was a disappointment to me. You know, after how great Thor Ragnarok was, Thor Eleven Thunder just didn't work for me. I mean, I was really, I thought Christian Bale as the God Butcher was really cool. And I didn't, I haven't read the God Butcher storyline in the comics. But uh, I really did like that concept and I liked what they did in the movie with that. But the movie was barely even about that. I mean, it drove the plot, but there were so many other things going on, and the tone shifted. I mean, the tone for the God Butcher is very serious and dramatic, and there were moments of that in the movie, but the movie was doing so many other things. It was being a comedy. It was about Jane Foster gaining the powers of Thor and Mjolnir and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, They brought in other gods. You know, they went to... Olympus or wherever it was with all these other gods. And that was kind of cool. I thought it was really great that Natalie Portman came back to be Jane Foster. And I like kind of what they were doing with her and Thor, you know, sharing the, the role of Thor. But again, they didn't focus on that completely. There was like three movies going on and the tone was way off. It was trying to be such a comedy But it was also trying to be dramatic. It was also trying to be romantic. It was trying to be so many things at once that it didn't really succeed at any of them. And it just tried to... It seemed like it was trying to get by on the charm of Thor, of Chris Hemsworth, of just the MCU in general. It was just trying to get by on that charm. And there wasn't enough substance to let it get by on that this was the first Thor movie without Loki without Tom Hiddleston and I think that exposed a huge weakness in the Thor storyline because I think it relied so much on Loki and that relationship between Loki and Thor that without that it really lost its way it's really kind of aimless which is interesting but didn't make me enjoy the movie very much, so that's uh, thirteen. And then a show that I that I really liked while I was watching it, but when I put it up against a lot of these other things that have come out, it didn't. It it only stacks up at number twelve, which is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I like Sam, I like Bucky, and I thought the the plot was very interesting, where you have this new Captain America. John Walker, kind of right out of the comic book, and how they deal with it eventually at the end. You know, Sam takes the shield and becomes Captain America, because the other Captain America was pretty unhinged. He eventually comes back in the the black suit with a new shield, and again, I like all that stuff, and I like all the stuff that happened, really, but overall, it was kind of a low-stakes thing. But it did establish Sam as the new Captain America. And it sets him up for a movie in the future. Again, I like these characters. But evidently I liked other things better. So coming in at number 12, you know, ranking it at number 12 seems like I'm dismissing it and saying I didn't like it. But it's just there's so many other things that this is where it falls in. Uh, Number 11, another one that I really, really liked... But uh, in consideration, it falls at number 11, and that's Ms. Marvel. I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed this series. I had read a little bit of Ms. Marvel from the comic books, and I thought, sure, it's fine. You know, they're trying to make her like the new Spider-Man, because she's a young teenager with superpowers and coming at it from her angle. And it's a different point of view than we've had. You know, a young Muslim American woman is a different, is a unique perspective uh, to bring to comic books. And I like that aspect of it. But I was never too impressed with her powers or much about her as a comic book character. And that's with very light reading, right? I have never delved into a full run of her comic book. Just a few episodes here and there, or guest appearances with Spider-Man, or whatever. So maybe if I dug more into the comic books, I'd like her. But this show, man, I loved her. I loved her family. I really enjoyed the stakes of this, that it went back to her history of of her grandmother. And that she actually ends up going back in time she travels to Pakistan and learns more about that history and how it applies to these powers that she's generated. She's also a, a huge uh, fan of the Avengers and you know, young teenager with that fan perspective and dealing with her parents and the restrictions that they put on her. And man, I just loved this character. And the actress did an amazing job and the whole, the family, it was done really, really well. But like I said, I guess I like these other things better, you know, and it's kind of in the middle of the pack of these, these, uh, this phase, uh, but that's okay. Cause that's, you know, that's still good. But, uh, so even though it's 11, I really, really like the show and I was surprised by how much I like this character and this family and everything uh just above ms marvel was moon knight with oscar isaac playing the title role here of moon knight of mark specter or or is it mark specter uh he has multiple personalities mark specter is the moon knight that we all know from the comics and who conchu wants to be his avatar or whatever Um, But he has this other personality and that's who we're introduced to first. And uh, he represents another version of Moon Knight called Mr. Knight or whatever. And at the very end of the series, we get the third personality that comes out as a different version of of the Moon Knight. And, you know, I kind of... I mean, I like the character. I like the imagery of this. I liked how they just went all in on the Egyptian mythology, and had all of these gods and their avatars working together. Uh, But the biggest selling point of this was Oscar Isaac and his acting performance. It was amazing. It was great. And I really sold the show, and and I liked the character of Moon Knight, too. And so I was kind of hip to it going in, right? Uh, But yeah, I liked it quite a bit and thought it was, was good. And enjoyed the series. I think there could have been more of it. And it did meander a little bit in the middle. Where it didn't need to. But anyway. Those are small complaints. I like the show. Uh, so number nine is the Black Widow movie. Which I think I like more than most people. You know most people say yeah it was good. But it was just kind of a standard movie. And maybe they didn't care about black widow as much because she'd already died in endgame and so now we're going back in time and seeing something from her they probably should have done it before and fit it in somewhere but there wasn't time with all the other stuff they were doing or whatever and then there was a the whole thing of it going to streaming instead of going in the theater or being both released in the theater and on streaming at the same time which hurt its numbers in the theater but I enjoyed Black Widow. I like her. I like what Scarlett Johansson has done with the character and this story that was separate from the Avengers. I thought was very personal. I thought we we got to know more about Black Widow as a person, as a character, her history. Uh, we got to meet Elena, her quote-unquote sister, and uh, David Harbour was there as the red guardian and that was great with his stuff in there rachel weiss was in there as uh as her mother or whatever and yeah you could say that the third act was you know standard superhero trophy with you know a huge battle with the bad guy at the end but i don't know i thought it was was pretty well done enough to earn it number nine i guess uh, but not as good as uh, Chong and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, both Black Widow and Chong Chi were in 2021. I had known this character in, in the comics quite a bit, but I wasn't quite sure what to expect from this movie. And they combined a lot of things that I thought really worked. And uh, oh, I can name right now. Darn it, the main actor who plays Chung-Chi was great. He was refreshing. He was fun. He was engaging. He was a strong character. And uh, I liked the discovery of him as a hero, not just a person. And when he stepped up, he really stepped up. And he is the son of the real Mandarin, that was alluded to in Iron Man 3. And they even bring back Ben Kingsley as the actor that was pretending to be the Mandarin. And they relate that into the real Mandarin. And and they explain these Ten Rings, which is totally different than the Ten Rings of the Mandarin in the comic books. And just very action-heavy, very uh, kung fu savvy using the styles of of Chinese cinema and stuff like that and uh, yeah, I thought very well done of course they tied it in with the Avengers and and other things that we know from the MCU but it it was its own thing as well and I I, I thought it was pretty good Uh, number 7 is Werewolf by Night which was again cheating because it was just a little one hour Halloween special and even though I put the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special down towards the bottom, man, I really liked Werewolf by Night. I thought it was great world building in that it, it separated itself. It was its own thing. It, it uh, brought in this whole monster hunter, con- monster hunter concept where monsters exist in the Marvel Universe and Jack Russell being... The werewolf by night and having to defend himself and his friend, the man thing. <laughs> and uh, you all know that I really like the man thing, and I thought he was represented very well in this little special. Even though he he is, it does divert a little bit from the comic, he's not the exact he's not exactly the man thing that I've that I've liked in the comics. Um, but I think you know they have to adapt that a little bit for. Uh, live action and uh, I'd, I'd like to see more you know I really didn't see enough to know if if it's going to work long term but I really loved uh, seeing the Man-Thing in this Werewolf by Night but even without the Man-Thing I think I would have enjoyed this and I thought they really captured the horror of the monster and the monster hunters and the werewolf and all that and uh, Man-Thing was just an added bonus but I, I guess the reason I rank this higher than a lot of other things is because the potential of it for the MCU is really cool. They could develop a whole, you know, uh, monster storyline that may or may not tie into other things in the MCU. Uh, but if they need something like that, or they could also be used in a in a general in other movies and other projects to a lesser degree than it was here. But then they can also go off and do their own thing as, as monsters or whatever. And add to the lore and all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty, that was pretty exciting to me. And so it, it ranks up there at number seven. Uh, right above Werewolf by Night is the Hawkeye series. I like Hawkeye as a character. I like that he was always uh, over his head with the avengers <clears throat> and that this series was uh, you know started out with his family and then he has to go be on his own to and so that his family's protected and then but he has to take care of this because he's very honorable and he know even though he doesn't want to do this anymore he can't just walk away from a situation that he can help, and there's this younger girl that uh, is you know obsessed with archery and Hawkeye as a hero, and wants to do it herself. Um, she's in over her head, and he, he feels like he needs to take care of her, and she doesn't know what she's gotten herself into. And the stakes are at the right spot, you know. They're not trying to take over the world. There's just crime family, and you know it's just this. Mafia family kind of thing and they introduce Echo. They throw Kingpin in there. And, you know, a lot of those things were extraneous. I thought the Echo character worked pretty well. Or whatever her actual name was. (laughs) The Kingpin was was okay. It was kind of neat to see him in the MCU. And I'm really looking forward to Daredevil Born Again coming up later. But uh, I I just like the character of Hawkeye. I liked the way Jeremy Renner played it. It was very much like Avengers Age of Ultron, where he's like, okay, I'll do what I can. And being that mentor figure for this other young girl, uh, Haley Steinfeld, as the young girl version of Hawkeye, uh, was great acting as well. And they even got the swordsman in there, so that was fun. All right, that brings us down to the Top five picks here for the Phase 4 MCU movies. Maybe you've already figured out what they are based on what I haven't chosen yet. But coming in at number five on the countdown is Loki Season 1. And I really liked the Loki series. It was great to have Tom Hiddleston back in the role. They even set the stage for this in... The In Endgame? And, you know, what happened to Loki after he disappeared and had the Tesseract? Well, this is what happens with that. This is how we get a Loki series. And uh, right away, he's pulled into this strange world of the the TVA that is policing the timelines. And he is a variant that should not be part of this new timeline. And so uh, he is taken into custody. And I really was surprised at how much I liked the character uh, of Morpheus played by Owen Wilson. I thought they were a great combination and I liked how uh, Morbius himself, not Morbius, Morpheus. Is it Morbius? No. Anyway, and I liked how Owen Wilson himself was kind of an outsider with the rest of the TVA. And he was really going out on a limb to trust Loki. And he was kind of a fan of Loki. You could kind of tell that he liked his style, even though he knew that, that Loki needed to be reined in for this. But, uh, yeah, just, just this idea of the TVA and what their plan was and all the different variants that came in. And uh, just discover, I, I just really enjoyed the whole concept of what they were doing, and I enjoyed the execution of what they were doing. And the acting was fun. The interaction was really great. And yeah, I just thought they really came up with a good concept and, and, and had a hit on their hands. I was a little bit confused by the end with uh the one who knows or whatever that was, whatever variation of, of Kang he was playing. And I'll probably have to watch that again after I see Mania, And uh, I mean, it might make a little bit more sense as to what that was all about at the end of Loki. But then it, it ends on a cliffhanger, man. So now we're all waiting in anticipation for Loki season two. And I don't know if they had planned Loki season two when they first started making Loki season one. I don't know. I, I'm not. I wasn't in the room where it happened. <laughs> so so that brings up number four, which is the movie that came out in 2022. Oh, Loki came out in 2021. A Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And I really dug this movie. A lot of people didn't. They didn't like the America Chavez character. They didn't like the weird zombie Doctor Strange. Or they had heartburn because Wanda turned evil so quickly. I thought they really foreshadowed that pretty well at the end of WandaVision. And I liked that they didn't waste their time. And spend half of the movie with us thinking that Wanda was on the good side. while well, all the time she was behind the scenes, you know, the bad person. Right away, we, we learn, okay, she's the person we're going up against. And then we start doing it. And I, I thought the movie was very interesting. And I liked every everything about it. I liked everybody involved in it. And uh, I, I don't know why people are so cranky about this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think one of the other reasons it was so poorly received is because of the title, The Multiverse of Madness. People had so much built-in expectations of what the multiverse was going to be. What were we going to see? Were we going to see a variation of Robert Downey Jr. as a different Tony Stark? You know, the rumors were flying. People had expectations of we were going to see all these different variants of different universes and and different characters and things like that and i guess they weren't satisfied with the the one alternate world that we went to where we got to see mr fantastic and black bolt and mordo and professor x and captain carter and all that kind of stuff i i thought that was a lot of fun and it was wasn't that long it didn't derail the movie it was all these different cameos didn't overshadow anything. Uh, the only thing was they were dispatched pretty quickly, but then again, they weren't what this movie was about. But I think a lot of people had their own ideas of what the multiverse was going to be and the kinds of things that we were going to see in this movie because they'd been spoiled by things like Endgame that had everything in the kitchen sink involved in the movie. They got to see everybody and everything And they were expecting more of that with the multiverse component of it. And they didn't get that. So I think that's another reason why a lot of people are disappointed. I don't know. I can only speak for myself. I thought it was a lot of fun in it and I liked it. So that was number four. Very much related to that. Number three for me was WandaVision. I really enjoyed WandaVision. I still really enjoy WandaVision. A lot... My wife and my kids kind of groaned through the first two episodes of it. But I thought that was amazing. That was awesome. I loved that they stuck to that format up until the end where every new show was a new version or decade or whatever of a sitcom. And it created this fake world that Wanda had created. And it was based on her childhood and all these TV shows that she watched when she was a kid and I thought it was executed amazingly well. We had, uh, what's his name, Randall Park as the FBI guy from Ant-Man and the Wasp, who is a fun character. He shows up. Darcy shows up from the Thor movies, and her character is even better than we've seen before. It's great when you can bring those minor characters in to make those moments. We have the uh, Monica Rambeau character coming in and getting her powers to be a version of Captain Marvel or Proton or whatever you want to call her. Uh, So that was really cool. I enjoyed that part of it as well. But again, none of it took away. The core of this movie was Wanda and her psyche and, you know, her children and Vision who had died and her grief. And she created this whole world to avoid that grief. And she went to desperate measures to do it. And took over these people's lives and made it hell for them. And, but that was all in the background. You were focused more on what was primarily happening. And I just thought it was ingenious and fun and insidious in a lot of ways. And it seemed as if she got away with it, like everybody, everything was going to be forgiven. But what she, but she was going down a dark path. And then at the end, we see the dark hold. And then we see how far it has gone when we get to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And so I thought it all fit together really well. And I liked the, the uh, vision quest, the way that that came through with her seeing vision torn apart and all that kind of stuff. And, and I just, I liked all the connections. I thought it was really smart and really well done. And the style of it I thought was great. And the, her character her core psyche and that one statement that everybody quotes from Division, of, you know, what is grief if not love persevering? Oh, my gosh, that was so good. And, yeah, there was a lot of deep things about this show. And then you had the whole Agatha Harkness reveal. And Catherine Hahn was great. Elizabeth Olsen was great. And that it was the first example we had of what could be done on a Disney Plus show it proved the concept. It showed um, how imaginative you could get with a show and you could do things that you couldn't do on a movie. And I thought it was a great example of how to take these characters off the silver screen, put them on streaming and make it work. Good, good stuff. I liked it. Which brings us down to two. What's it going to be? What's my number two? What's my number one? Well, my number two is Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which probably tells you what my number one is because you've been waiting for me to say it. But real quick, on Black Panther Wakanda Forever, there might be some recency bias there because that's the most recent Marvel movie that I've watched. But I really liked it. It, it With so many other things that have come between Endgame and this movie, the MCU did kind of start to feel like it was getting diluted a little bit and the quality didn't have to measure up as much as it did before. But this movie really brought back to me the feeling of those games of those movies from the previous phase, you know, like a captain America civil war or the first black Panther movie. And of course it suffered because Chadwick Boseman had died and he could not return in the role of black Panther uh, but they moved forward. They made that part of the movie. And I bought the characters and their motivations. Um, Shuri's character had to step up, had to be more than what she was in the first movie. And I think Letitia White did a good job of portraying that. You know, I had a conversation with Rich, and he said she was a tough character to like. But also admitted that that was probably on purpose because she was going through something tough. And I, I just liked the choices they made there. And I think, but, but I think what really sold the movie to me was, uh, what they did with Namor, the submariner. They totally changed his character from the comic books. They did not make him from Atlantis. They changed it to an Aztec, Mesoamerican civilization and gave a reason for why they live underwater and why they're, uh, why they are a different type of people. And I just I it it worked for me. I really dug that take on the Submariner. It like I said, it's a complete departure from what's in the comic books. He he is not the same character. But I liked it. I liked what they did with it. I liked how they linked the two civilizations, Wakanda and the is it Telecon? <laughs> See, I, I don't remember exactly what they're called. But anyway, and then they threw Atuma tuma. In there, it's not a tuba! <laughs> I don't know that joke will never fail to uh, to make me laugh every, since I've ever heard that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so that worked for me. If this, if I didn't like the Submariner and the Atlanteans being changed, then yeah, I don't think this this movie would have worked for me. But I really dug that and. I liked that it was serious, you know, that it was meaningful, that Ryan Coogler didn't just phone it in, he didn't just uh, produce another movie because he's supposed to, he really dug down deep and came up with something and adapted to the, the challenge of how do you do a Black Panther movie when Black Panther is gone? And he had to wade through all that. And I think he he was successful. And I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. Again, this is something that could change over time. Like after I sit on this movie or watch it again for a year or two. You know, maybe it won't be as high in my estimation. I don't know. But I really enjoyed it. And it's number two on my list. Which brings me to number one. Which is, of course, Spider-Man No Way Home. Wow. That's another challenge. How do you take the challenge... Of bringing of combining three different iterations of the Spider Man Peter Parker character, how do you bring back five what was it five of his villains and combine them all in a movie and make it all coherent and make sense and make the cloud make the crowd cheer and love each and every one of these things? How do you do that in a movie? I complain so often about. Why do you have to have three villains in a movie? Why do you even have to have two villains in a movie that combine their forces against our hero? Why can't we just enjoy one hero, one villain? Why complicate it? Why mess all this things up? You lose so much when you do that. This movie proved me wrong. Everything made sense. I mean, you know, as far as comic book movies do, you know, you even through Doctor Strange in here. But you, there's a reason. You know, the multiverse is another you know, touches this movie as well. That's kind of the theme of what's going on in all these movies right now. The multiverse. Um, but how did this, does it affect Peter? How it, does it affect all these villains that come back through the timeline or through whatever to all be in one universe? And it's kind of a redemption. How does Peter Parker help these people instead of defeat these people? And uh, that doesn't work for everybody. And then you bring in the other two Spider-Man. And man, it just works on every level. Everything about this movie just worked. And I don't think that'll change in my estimation. It was a great achievement in cinema. And it was an antidote to negativism about movies after the pandemic and MCU movies in particular and things like that. It was just quite, it was an amazing achievement. I loved it. I don't have any complaints about it. And it made me happy, and I enjoy it, And it, it, but it was also smart, and it made sense, and it gives new life to this character with Tom Holland in that role. So kudos, man, to John Watts and to Tom Holland and all of these actors coming back to reprise their roles uh, in one capacity or another. It was masterfully done. The writers of this, kudos, man, that you guys did an amazing job with this movie. Yeah, easily, easily the number one movie of Phase 4. So there you go. There's my list. Uh, What other cleanup do I need to do here? Well, I guess there's the trilogy of Spider-Man movies. So once again, I would say Far From Home was uh, the lowest. And then Homecoming and then No Way Home for sure is the top of that list as well. I guess I can do Thor now. I don't know if there's a future for Thor or not, but out of the four movies that Thor has done, I'd probably still put Thor The Dark World as the lowest. Then definitely Thor Love and Thunder. Then the original Thor. And then at the top is once again Thor Ragnarok. What's that? Future Conscience? How come only I can hear you? Usually you come on and... Oh, what's that? For some reason, my future conscience is being shy today and doesn't want to uh, be vocal, but she just told me that maybe I should go through the whole list in one quick motion here since there were so many. Uh, Number 18, I Am Groot, the animated short series. Number 17, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Number 16, the What If animated series. Fifteen is She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, streaming series. Number fourteen is The Eternals. Number thirteen is Thor, Love and Thunder. Number twelve is Falcon and Winter Soldier. Number eleven is Ms. Marvel. Number ten is Moon Knight. Number nine is Black Widow. Number eight is chang Shi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Number seven is Werewolf by Night, Halloween special. Number six is Hawkeye, streaming series. Number five is Loki, season one streaming series. Number four is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Number three was WandaVision. Number two is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And number one is Spider-Man No Way Home. There you go. <laughs> There's the, the whole list in one shot there. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of work, but it's been a lot of fun to do this marathon. I probably won't do another one for quite a while, but uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this. Hopefully... This hasn't uh, made you tired of hearing me. <laughs> yeah, I do really hope, and I've done this, to encourage people to check out the Patreon, the Comics Cave episodes, the Trekking episodes, any of any of the extra stuff that I do and the early stuff that I do on Patreon. For those of you that are willing to support the show... Uh, But even if that doesn't happen, even if nobody else uh, joins the Patreon, I don't consider this a fool's errand. Uh, I may not have put so much effort into it if I had known, but uh, it's still fun to get all this stuff out to you. The Fantastic Four radio show, all of the uh, Comics Cave offshoots, the Fantastic... the the other old-time radio shows, and it's been fun to do this uh, MCU phase ranking for you. So I I, I can't complain. It's, it's, it is a lot of fun to do this. And uh, but anyway, that's it for me for this superhero marathon and uh, this particular episode of the marathon. I hope you continue to have a great 2023. And until I see you next time, journey on and excelsior. The Journey Into podcast is produced under creative commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means that you are encouraged to share this podcast with as many people as you would like. Uh, But please don't change it or sell it and let people know where you got it from. Coming in at number five on the countdown, Uh, my belch.